Hey, SMAFCast listeners, thanks for tuning in to this very special episode today dedicated to our late co-founder and the captain of our ship from the very beginning, Ascendant Steve Kirk of San Diego Sabres. As you may or may not know, the captain was in charge of much of our tech endeavors from our SMAF affiliate tournament live streams to the San Diego Sabres radio podcast, which you should check out now if you haven't before, and He used to keep all this fight footage of all kinds of affiliates doing all kinds of saber martial arts craft. So there's a link in the show description to a YouTube video of all of the fights that we watched in tonight's episode. That video has no audio because it's kind of meant to be watched along with this audio file. And if you're listening to this, you can pause the video between fights to kind of sync up what you're hearing with what you're seeing. If you have a vivid imagination, you can probably enjoy this episode without the video file if you're driving in the car or whatever. But I do recommend that you enjoy them together if you can. All right, enough yapping, Fode. On to the show. Welcome to SMAFCast. I think this is episode five, maybe six. Who knows? We'll know by the time it airs. Uh, And welcoming back a week after his premiere, um, we're super stoked to have him. We're going to have Kyle Vaz from Key Sabres on tonight. Say hey to everyone, Kyle. Hey, guys. How you doing? So this is kind of an impromptu um, lineup tonight. We had a different show planned, and because of some communication difficulties, that show didn't work out quite so well. But that's okay, because it's going to be an, a little bit more of an intimate show tonight, and uh, and very fun, I think. Ooh, intimate. So, of course, uh, this is your main man, Fode, uh, and I'm joined tonight by not only Kyle from Key Sabres, but also fellow board member Katie Main from San Diego Sabres. That's where you'd be like, yo, what up? How y'all doing? Yo, what up? (laughs) As you can already tell. Making it a true smackass. Yeah, oh, for sure. As you can already tell, we are are just – we're just here to have fun tonight. Um, What we're going to be doing is we're attempting to record a video side of this and and maybe line it all up. If that doesn't work out, what I'd like to do is throw a reel together for everybody and – get that released as like a companion link to this audio file. So we'll see how it works out one way or another. You'll get the audio and you'll, you'll get us being like, Oh, and, ah, and, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, Kyle, just give us like the shortened version for anybody that didn't tune in to last week's episode. Shortened version of the episode or, uh, no, that, that's, that's still going to be an hour and a half. Give us the shortened version of you. <laughs> Uh, so I'm Kyle Vaz, uh, owner of Key Sabers Incorporated, and um, I make lightsaber weapons that, for the most part, from what I've heard, just don't break. Um, they're really reliable accurate. weapons, and uh, yeah, you can shop online and get them and test them out for yourself, and let me know if they break. If they break, you know, I'll fix them for you. Love that, and. Uh... Of course, Katie, give us the two-second version of you, because now people are a few episodes in. We know about you. (laughs) Uh, My name is Katie Main. I'm the wife of the Battlemaster of San Diego Sabres. Uh, Had no martial training going into this, and now I've been training with Sabre Martial Arts for over five years now, and then with Estrema under Doce Pares about a year, give or take. Awesome. I had to take personal leave for a little bit. 
And like I said, I'm Fode. Uh, I've been doing this a long time, almost three decades, um, at least with unarmed martial arts, with weaponry over 20 years, um, all different kinds of stuff. I just like stuff that was at one point or another used in some sort of warfare or dueling or whatever. Um, and so that'll give everybody listening the frame of reference kind of where um, we're coming from when we're talking about the fights we're going to watch tonight. And what we're doing tonight is we're going to be watching some fights from our late co-founder, Steve Kirk's little, what I'm calling the Sparkive, the SMAF Sparkive. Um, we're going through his Google uh, videos and finding some fights where we had SMAF board members fighting in those fights or at least um, some interesting ones that I pulled out where maybe somebody was facing another person that I thought would make like a really good fight to, to watch and, and kind of react to. Um, so let's see. Let's start out with this this fight. This is a big battle scenario. It's how many on how many? Like seven on seven or something like that? Uh, Yeah, about... I'm hitting play right now just for anybody that cares. Um, it's a long video, so I'm in there. Jason's in there. Um, bunch of the Penguins, Nick. Yeah, there's a lot of people in there. Bunch of San Diego Sabres, yeah. bunch of Penguins, couple of Pit Bulls. This is uh so this was a Saturday night class for San Diego Sabres. Um we had obviously Fode out there visiting us and then uh Penguins came out to visit us as well. This is before Pitbulls became Pitbulls. Right. Still part of Penguins at the time. And you know what? Mm-hmm. Um this was after most of the practice had already happened, right? This was sort of I don't want to say towards Mm -hmm. the end, but after the first half of practice for sure. So a lot of people had already been through a pretty grueling Shicho class with you. And Mm -hmm. um, Jason and I had been beating the crap out of each other with these with these foam boffers for an hour ahead of this, I think. What weapons are you guys using? Are these like LARP weapons or here? They're boffers. They're the sci-fi blades yeah they're sensory martial arts that one like alan gave them to us they're like a company that sells to century called action flex and they basically do like you said they sort of feel like larp weapons but they're actually designed by a guy who is like a american samurai sword master actually alan's sword teacher and they're pretty amazing Inside is like a polycarbonate shaft, and then the grip is made out of like this really nice, it's almost like a soft bed liner, like a truck bed liner, but it's like soft. And then they have plastic also, um, and they they just have these really nice, like durable blades. They bend ever so slightly in the last, maybe what, six inches, Katie, five inches, um, just to like, so that when you stab people, you don't like actually run them through yeah, with polycarbonate, actually, but yeah. the inside is like a polycarbonate core and it's partially solid, I think. And then the tip of it like tapers almost like 
the tang of a sword, like if you were going to make a through tang on a sword, but sort of opposite where the tang is towards the tip. And that just keeps the added like stability so that it doesn't stay bent if it bends. You know what I mean? It just kind of keeps it all nice and tight. It's really a pretty smart design and he makes like different tiers of it. So if you go on like centurymartialarts.com, it's not a commercial for them. They're really nice. They're super nice. And they don't like break. They get broken Mm -hmm. in. They get a little floppy at the tip, but they don't really break. I've had the same ones for like 10 years and they haven't, they haven't died. So, and what's nice is that as it progressively, as it, as you break them in, they are they still become they come like almost softer. They're not as stiff. You can go like full swing across like oh, yeah. back and it doesn't hurt. You can beat the crap out of each like, other. Oh yeah. The only thing that hurts is if you get like a seam in the eye. So and that's like at the tip of it. The only like downside, the longest one I think is twenty nine inches of blade. So it would be like katana length. Um, and the shortest one, I mean, you can get them as small as like a dagger length, but the sci-fi ones are, I think 24 inch of blade. Um, and to me, that's like, like, I wish they made the sci-fi ones a little longer. Um, but it's not that big of a deal. You can get them just in black or red and they're, they're the same exact weapon, just maybe a more oval grip, like a katana style. Um, that's what the guy on the left with the red shirt, he's got one of those in his right hand. Yeah, because Nick got those. We have the color ones because Alan's like, here, take them. like, okay. And <laughs> Nick brought, uh, he brought them with the penguins. But we do really like these. If you're in the market for some high-quality, durable foam training sabers go to century martial arts and get the action flex line of of foam weapons they're pretty much the safest things you can train with and very close to realistic is there a tag in is that what's happening you can tag someone back so in. it it's basically capture the flag i right. think knight matthew came up with this or told us about it this looks and like so a matthew concoction <laughs> so the helmet the helmet is the flag and so you have two people guarding the helmet which is Matt right. on the left and Marina on the right right and so they can tag their uh their allies to unfreeze them right and then uh i don't think oh, and you basically have to bring that. one the helmet from one side to the other okay so. I don't even know what I'm laughing about. I look like such a goob. Oh, it's because <laughs> Jason just yeeted the helmet and nobody caught it. He was just <laughs> trying so hard. That's why he's on the ground. This was the first time I had uh, ever actually talked with Jason, I think. Steve pretty much was like, come over here and meet Jason and just handed us these foam sabers. And we were like, oh, I guess now we fight. And that's kind of how we introduced ourselves. <laughs> I, guess, I guess we're talking now. And I now he fight. had, like, he took so many pictures. This has to be, this is obviously after the IGC thing. Yeah, yeah oh, definitely. Barbecue. 
this was when we were watching that. I want to say this was. I don't, know, I don't know if it was a year later, but it was definitely no. It IGC say IGC was twenty eighteen. And I think this was twenty eighteen also. I could be wrong about yeah, that. Yeah, this is October twentieth, twenty eighteen. Okay. Okay. So yeah, just yeah. not that long afterwards. IGC was what July, June, June, June. Yeah. So. Yeah. This is I I don't think we're gonna watch this whole video, although we're not that far from the end. Um But it's not all one on one dueling, I guess is why we're watching this, because I feel like a lot of times people get bored with like one on one dueling all the time. And it is like the majority of what all saber groups do. But um well I don't wanna say all saber groups, but all combat based groups. Um they're almost always just doing dueling. So when you have the opportunity to do these big battles, especially when you have visiting people and you have the numbers, it, it just makes it so much fun. Sometimes it's a cluster, but that's what makes it even more fun. Like Sloan over there just sliding in bare need on the asphalt while or on the cement while Dude. trying to get me uh, in the shins. Sloan is actually, he's a Padawan now, and he's actually under Knight John, or High Council member Knight John. Oh, cool. And I guess they've been practicing, even though COVID's been a, a thing, they've still been training. I don't know how often, but I'm like, dude, Sloan's going to come in a wreck shop. He's He has a lot of potential. I don't know how I stayed alive on that entry just there. You saw Nick block <laughs> one of my ridiculous flying lizard attacks and uh you know somehow blocked one of the other counter marina's counterattack. you know it's interesting i'm looking at this fight and from a martial arts background and i know it's kind of like a, a seven on seven you know there really isn't one opponent against another but you guys are staying for the most part pretty much within the line of your of your opponent like no one's really no one's really straying off from that, which, which to me is interesting. If it's going to be like like a group fight, you know, um, mm -hmm. I don't see too many like two on one or, or you know, like there are group, a couple like Andre you guys just are still got double teamed. It one on one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There it is. But yeah, no, definitely. It, like, I think this is kind of human nature, but. People do tend to like zero into one opponent, you know, and I think that's because right. in all reality, dealing with two is difficult and no one person really wants to deal with two opponents at a time. You know, you, you like that, Katie? You like dealing with two opponents at a time? Oh, no, no. I, I saw your little one kind of like waddling. <laughs> oh, oh you're waving to the little ones. Yeah. I was like, hi. Hey, <laughs> this is this was so much fun and exhausting. Especially when mm -hmm. I keep yeah. going up against Nick because I got to pull out the stops against Nick. He's really good. We always make fun of Nick, but that's because he's an easy target and he's a good sport. Yeah. But uh, well, he's the youngest on the board. Yeah. So thus, but man, he's, he's pretty deadly brother. with a sword. Let's be fair about that. Yeah. Nick is Nick is a talented fighter. He's fast too, man. He's so fast. He, uh, I think during the IGC tournament, he was going to go against 
Knight Robert, who was a Padawan at the time. And he's like, I don't want to go against Robert. We're like, why? He's like, he's so fast. He's so strong. <laughs> We're like, Nick, you'll be fine. He's like, but so fast. I think I have me and Robert. Maybe we'll watch that next since you bring Robert up. Um, and I have, I think I have Sloan. If not Sloan, I definitely have a couple videos saved with John, um, who you were talking about earlier. So we'll give people a frame of reference there too. Um, Kyle, anything aside from the fact that it just, it's fun, anything <laughs> that you're picking up on from anybody or anything, like you said, we're kind of zeroing in on one opponent at a time, but is there anything else that's kind of standing out to you in that activity? I think we just finished. Um, there's a lot of basic Shicho forms. There's, there, there's a lot of those, uh, basic strikes, mm-hmm. um, defense moves, which, which is, which is great. Um, what what I'm noticing too, which is what I've I've had to personally teach a lot of people, and what I've noticed is when you have a new person coming in, they have the tendency of you know trying to to, to mimic the movies, you know, trying to to mimic what what they've seen or what they've experienced, and they might not come from a martial arts background. Right. But one thing that I do notice is the footwork. Right. The footwork. You know. You know. You guys are definitely planting your feet first. And then aiming up and and targeting your opponent and striking, which is that's that's where you're going to get a lot of your strength from, right. you know, is making sure that that you do have that first foot 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 planted. Um, you know, there's a lot of leading off with the first foot and retreating. Then, right. um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it's 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 definitely obvious that you guys you guys train and you guys train together very very well because there's a lot of similar techniques a lot of similar strikes you know how you guys forward and advance so i think that brings us to an interesting next fight katie is that john on the right there no so this is halloween night so this was on a wednesday night so on the left is jason night jason and then on the right is night kevin Night Kevin is our gem so special. Oh, yeah. Oh, I see the leather on the back of his fencing helmet there. Okay. These are real lightsabers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, these are real lightsabers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is uh, – so I love both of these fighters in their own respects. You know, they're di- very different fighters, I think. Um, but, man, they're both super good. So this is actually – I didn't plan on watching this one right now, but I think we're going to. So let's let's hit it. Yeah. All right. And Kevin does like a very I don't want I don't want to say. Yeah, I mean, fighter. like arming sword almost is kind of his his like main. You know, like a double edged, single handed, cross guard European knightly sword. You know what I mean? That's what he. Yeah sort of fights like but in a dueling style um he's super he's super like technical with his wrist motions but jason's just so loose all the time so this is actually really interesting to watch because jason at this time i think this was in 2018 still or 2019 yeah i think this was the same weekend i was there okay so this is the week after actually Okay. Because this is the 31st of October. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So so I'm assuming this is 2018. Um, we'll watch this a so couple when times. It, 
so Jason, at the time, I believe he was a brown belt, or he actually just got his black belt in Doce Pares. Um, and Kevin is actually a still, he was the steel, national steel fighting champion of, I believe, 2017. Could be wrong, and he can correct me on this. But he's uh, Kevin's been doing steel fighting since he was very young. He's currently 20, let's see, I'm 27. So he's 26, and he had to take a pause on it for a little bit for health problems, like health reasons, and then also schooling. Uh-huh. Uh, but he was training ever since he was like, I think at least 13. And then Jason has been studying under Master Albert since, God, I don't know, <clears throat> in early, the early 2010s, I believe. So you can tell the difference too. Types of motion. Oh, yeah. Like you can pick up on, especially when Jason starts targeting hands, you're like, okay, that's. Mm-hmm. That's that Filipino martial arts right there. But he also kind of knows how to do like a two-handed grip, almost like a, like a Japanese sword style here and there. Um, he just kind of, he, he's got a good, like almost a form six. Is that his form? Form six? He is form six. So let's watch this again. It's only two minutes and 35 seconds. So Kyle, anything, uh, jumping out at you in this fight? So this is this is interesting because because clearly you can see this is uh, Gemso versus Makashi here and you know um, it's 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 a very interesting fight because on the one hand you know Makashi he's he's mainly using this for for defense and honestly it's if you notice there's a, a couple of times where he just waits for an opening defense defense waits for an opening and then just strikes and it's because he can manipulate that that saber with with just the one hand and if you notice he's always pointing it towards his opponent where he's he's focused on where he's going to strike next and looking for that opening which blade are you um, talking about just so that we're clear yellow right the okay. yellow blade yeah and um you know i i, I the uh gemso on the let me do my, with the, the right blade hand on the right the, yep well, now kind of the blue blade around. Yep. Yeah, he's um, he's 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 definitely targeting. He's he's looking for some openings, but um, he's really trying to like uh, you know target his opponent, and he'll strike here, strike there, relying a lot on strength, and um, you know that can get you some some points but if you're dealing with someone who's who's really really skilled at makashi it's it's going to be a difficult fight and you know you can see where they kind of go toe-to-toe a lot of times my base form is gemso and um i fought kevin the blue blade uh a couple times and he's you know it's so interesting because everything you're saying it's the stuff that a gem so user relies on and it's what i rely on trying to add a little extra power target different areas maybe not let my opponent breathe so much um exactly always always keep him on the defense exactly but he's also got that counter like when he when he rocks back and does a block or a parry he's he's countering right away he's not like waiting for that counter to happen you know what i mean 
But you're right. Jason's patience has been rather exemplary with the yellow blade. Very patient. You know, it's 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 difficult because what I've noticed a lot of a lot of Gemso artists they tire themselves out super easy. Exactly. And I think that's what that's what um, gentleman on the left, yellow blade, Makashi. That's that's what he was waiting for, but he never got that opportunity. So he had to keep on the the defense and just wait for an opportunity and just, you know, get, I mean, I mean, it's clear he's aiming, aiming for his, for his hands. And, you know, I can definitely appreciate it from, from watching these two skilled martial artists that, you know, they definitely know what they're doing. Right. Um, In their own respective ways. It's not the same thing. Right. 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 And, and also too, as a, as a, a Gemso artist, you're not relying so much on power. I've seen so many people just, try and go in for these big, huge strikes with no control. And, you know, he has it. Yeah. Which, which this is a great, great fight to watch, to see like, this is, this is what you, what you should be doing. That's kind of the difference between like what Ataru should be maybe versus what, um, or even like Juyo versus like what Gemso should be. They all kind of use aggression and power and speed, but Gemso has to have the added control. You know what I mean? Ataru, you can kind of lose control. You're kind of losing control by deciding to use Ataru in the first place because you have a high (laughs) probability of putting yourself in danger. But (laughs) with Juyo, it's it's also, you know, like it's kind of based on losing a bit of control to to get to like the ultimate level of control almost. But with Gemso, it's like, to me, it's kind of like... like the pressure in the mason jar before you pop it for the first time, you know, and like just like just ever so slightly releasing or like a soda bottle, you know, that you shook up and just a ever soda so bottle slightly is just releasing. Say. Yeah, yep. And you're just sitting there, just just teetering, teetering. You let it out a little bit, you close it, let it out a little bit, close it. Yeah, Katie, it's interesting Absolutely. to me. You know Jason very well. It's interesting to me that Kyle keyed in on on the Makashi style for Jason because I used to key on key in on more like a Taru, but to me he is being very like form two control, like dual control sort of sort of style in this fight i'm gonna stop it here but i don't know it's a different way of fighting than i'm used to seeing i feel like he's usually more offensive and maybe it's because if he's trying to get five points in a tournament you don't really have time to mess around and be as patient but that was a more patient jason than i'm used to seeing too well it looks like he was trying out different techniques recognizing a lot of this stuff when you do in the, the the school that we train in how he has it bent of the blade kind of pointed to Kevin's chest is because you're trying the illusion of, you don't know how long my blade is actually right. Um, Kevin for his gem. So he's very, very heavy on counters reason. uh, I know that's because, so he waits for the opponent and then he will turn it against them. Right. So he was kind of waiting for Jason and Jason knew that Jason knows how Kevin fights. So he had to change it up like by first, He's going to turn it against me. How the heck am I going to do that? Um, these are at this time they have they're both knighted. Right. Um, Kevin was actually our fourth knight. Yeah. Um, so Jason was just trying to do a little bit of different stuff. Uh, he technically is a he is a nightman user Ataru because of of uh, Ashrima does a call for that because right. Uh, Battle Proctor Knight Matthew is also an Ataru user. Mm-hmm. Um. 
but he was because he's using the bane or the uh vanquish i can't he remember was locked one. into he form is, two a little more Mm-hmm. because our makashi specialist knight doug he uses it and he's very precise very yeah. in it so i think jason was still trying to get used to it right um so he was trying something a little different it was working for him to to a large degree in my opinion yeah. so let's jump into oh, yeah. this next fight which is me on the left with the yellow blade versus jason and this is one of the first times we had fought each other um it's a short fight minute and a half because katie comes over to break it up for that melee event that we just witnessed um but this is the only fight from the two of, and we had like an epic Jarkai boffer battle that night like 10 minutes of just smacking each other all over the place with four blade and eric was like watching on the side like that looks fun but he wasn't having a, a good night that night <laughs> um and uh man i wish that had been caught on video because i don't even know who scored what anymore we were just like both bruised and battered but this is just single blade and we're having a lot of fun. You can tell we're just kind of like introducing ourselves and, and trying to figure out what the other one's going to do. And one of my things that I like to do is I like to try and mirror what the other person's doing a little bit. So, you know, if I'm <laughs> fighting one person, I like to try and use their form or maybe um, use a different style of their form or maybe the exact opposite form that they're doing. So in this case, I'm trying to mirror Jason's form as much as possible to like to to the exact style just to kind of see if I can. So I could, uh, I do that with Marina. We try to marry each other. Yeah. Like if we're fighting it's anytime smart. that happens. So one of us gets hurt. No, we always get hurt. <laughs> oh, it's we not like smart end up hurting each other. <laughs> no, no. We're like, we're going to do this. Like, yeah, we're going to do this. And it's just like, one of us is going to get hurt. And it's usually our hands. Is getting Actually, Marina's fighting your dad yeah. right behind me and Jason there. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can see Jason's got a little bit of a different grip than I'm using and I'm moving around a lot more. He's kind of just waiting for me to come into Easy. the shark range to bite me. But, uh, you can see we're just having a blast. He's using the Panuti grip, his thumbs on the back of the blade. Yeah. So when you're using yeah. Panuti, that's how you want to do that. So he's going from a full grip to a sword grip. And that that thumb grip has a place in some of the cavalry saber styles as well, um, especially like when you're riding on a horse and you need like like you don't want that sword to come mm -hmm. out of your hand as you cut someone. You you back it up with the thumb, you know. Um, mm -hmm. But I use it sometimes, but um, with the heavier blades and the longer blades, sometimes it it like wears on my thumb a little too much. Okay, let's watch it again. It's interesting. It makes it easy to do like 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 really really quick sudden uh, flicks. You know, nothing nothing too much with with power. Just like you know, quick and easy. Right. Quick and easy hit. Technique versus force. Right. That's that's what I'm noticing a lot in these in these fights. Even with the group melee, you know, like you guys really aren't going all, you know, all you know just all out slashing and mm -hmm. cutting each other up. You, you guys definitely, you know, mark, mark your opponent and you just wait for an opportunity. You strike here and there. And there's, there, there's a lot of good footwork. There really is. <clears throat> it's, um, 
it's funny that you say that because we were just talking about Gemso and using the power, but that Kevin also has the control. But you could see there was an uptick in the power in his form versus any of the other people that have been fighting so far. And even me being yeah. a Gemso user, user usually in this particular fight, I'm just I'm just kind of trying to do the Atari thing with Jason, you know. Um, yeah. And neither one of us is really that concerned about blocking either, which is, you know, <laughs> I'm just kind of covering yeah, my retreats. Um, but it's fun to like to to use the weapons like this where you don't even have to wear protective <laughs> gear. We'll do this one more time um, where you can just like hit each other at whatever force you want, but still get like as much speed as you would see in the movies or something like that. Because with a heavy grade blade, you can still do that with all the protective gear, but then you have to up the amount of protective gear you're using, which means you have to downgrade your speed and everything anyway. So it's kind of like you have to find that happy medium between the gear versus the weapon. You know what I mean? Now I have a question for you now. Um, obviously you guys have uh, certain, certain targets and points accordingly. Um, what, where where are your um best way to put this where where are you guys mostly looking looking to to target because i noticed there's 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 a lot of strikes towards you know just the upper body chest shoulders hands um but uh you know for a lot of people that might just be coming into this might not know you know to not really you know maybe you shouldn't do an overhead strike to someone's head or right you know a lot of those stuff it's a great um, question. So where are your targets? Katie. So I know for San Diego Sabres and I believe Penguins as well. Most of the, actually. It's most probably the, the same for us too. I'm pretty sure we're all the same. It's yeah. It, it's just maybe changed just a little bit of variant for each school. Um, so for San Diego Sabres, anything below the emitter of the blade and head to toe is considered a target. And we treat it like a lightsaber. And so it just takes the smallest of touches to do it. So a lot of the times we do just go for hands, right. a quick nick to the head or shoulders. We try to stay away from the throat. Um, it does happen. Um, and we try to stay away from the groin. But it's just, we just try to do small taps or small cuts. You don't really see anybody just winding up and just batting um, because it is, we treat it like an actual lightsaber. So it right. wouldn't take much because I know in the path of the Jedi, if you can't use form zero, you just try to immobilize your opponent. And usually it's just by cutting of the hands. So that's right. what we really heavily went by. It, it's a good tactic too. I mean, I know in like the Arnis that I was taught, we were always taught like hit the hand, hit the hand because the hand controls the blade or the stick, right? Or just the mm -hmm. strike so if you're immobilizing the weapon if you're taking the engine out of the tank then what can you do right um mm -hmm. so hand hits are by far and i think this is probably true for most leagues most like saber mm -hmm. events hand hits are probably the highest percentage by a long shot but I know that for me personally i'm always looking to hit the chest or the head because i I think of them as high value targets. You know what I mean? Even though everything is just one point, 
to me, yeah. I want to go for like a vital target. I want to hit somebody in the chest. I want to hit somebody in the head where they are going to be quote unquote killed as opposed to um, just cutting their arm off. But that's because I'm a form five person, not a form three person. <laughs> but like some of the, my students, like they're really happy just like waiting, waiting, waiting. I have one student who I'm trying to get him a little more form four, but I think he's just going to stay in Sereso. And that's fine because he's a big body, but he's also a passive personality. So for him, he's happy to hang back and block almost all of your shots and just cut your arm off when he sees the opportunity or really quickly stick his tip out and run you, let you run yourself through on his blade. You know what I mean? Um, so for me, it's like I always want those higher value targets, but I'm not going to snuff at a hand shot. Mm-mm. Never turn my nose up at a hand shot. Let's watch this next one. This is Doug on the right with, I think, a single blue boffer. And we've got Katie in the Jarkai in this video. That was a struggle bus. Yeah, I'm holding it almost in a close position while it's leading. I'll hit play right now. There so we go. she's got a red and a yellow ketchup and mustard for the mistress of Seresu here. And Katie, you're even doing the Jarkai more in a Seresu style, which I would expect no less. Right. From it's a good shot by Doug there, though, huh? Because you had Doug him pretty much down on the my, rope. He is my kryptonite. He is <laughs> so because he's so precise and I have to. I liked, I loved and hate fighting him. Uh-huh. I hated fighting him because he can get into my defenses super quickly and he's so fast. And he's taller than I am, so he can just boom. But he's, he's a fun personality to fight. I like fighting oh, yeah. with him. Oh, yeah. He's a great person to fight with. Um, but I also like fighting him because he can get around my defenses. Yeah. He can get in, so I have to think differently. Yeah, so. I agree well, with that. This is... This is what I was, um, you know, going going to bring up when you were mentioning, um, you know, aiming for a lot of those bigger targets like the chest, the head. You know, that's that's something that if someone's sitting there worrying about their hands getting getting cut off, they might leave themselves open to, you know, just a quick little parry and right. all of a sudden, boom, they got you. And that's that's the unfortunate thing that I've noticed with a lot of um, Jarkai users where. You know, you focus so much on, you know, thinking about where both your hands are going to be at the same time right. as you have that defense going in for offense. You leave yourself open because you're not really protecting yourself so much. Right. You know, I think all martial arts teachers who teach weapons might say this, but I think I'm going to I'm going to sort of paraphrase Eric um, as having said it most recently to me, which is. You know, when your students want to like, um, he and I were talking about this quite a bit one night, when your students want to do two weapons at once, Jarkai or dual wielding or pairing or whatever you want to call it, you have to have one hand at a time solid Mm -hmm. first. You have to practice with Mm -hmm. your good hand and with your bad hand. Your bad hand doesn't need to be as good as your good hand, but it needs to be competent and to like put it into a a frame of reference i love jarkai it's one of my favorite ways to fight just because it's so exciting you know like anything can happen when there's that much blade going around but it's also 
like my left wrist broke when I was younger and it never fully recovered. It'll never be 100%. So when I try to do things with just my left, I'm terrible almost. When I do them together, I'm pretty passable because it has the right hand to help it out. You know what I mean? When I do right hand, it's like, you know, it's my right hand. It's no problem. So for me, <laughs> when I train Jarkai, I'm almost always starting the night like strictly with my left hand because that's the that's the puppy that's lagging behind that I need to help catch up to the group. You know what I mean? And then for the rest of the night, I get to have fun with two weapons. But I never, I never <laughs> like start that way. I always, we'll watch this one more time. Um, I always want to try and get my offhand to like catch up to the group. You know. Well, it's interesting watching this because um, I think uh, the gentleman with the blue saber, Doug, he's picking up. Yeah, he's definitely picking up on you switching which hand is your dominant hand. Yes. And mm-hmm. you know, he's definitely catching you and, and that's and that's what it is. It's not it's not a bad technique of, you know, you know, dual dual wielding. It's that he's catching you as you're switching between using your dominant hand and that hand, and he's just too fast where he gets inside right when you're at those moments, and that's 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 the weak point there and he's just waiting for that opportunity it's not like he's going in striking 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 you know he's keeping you on that on that on that defense and there are a lot of opportunities where i can see where he's where he's waiting he's waiting but as soon as you go in for a strike he's just right there i want to watch Mm -hmm. this last exchange one more time because i think that's exactly (laughs) what you're talking about right when you switch your your angle of perception here he kind of keys in and baits you into attacking him, which up to that point, he had been sort of prodding you, prodding you, making you show little holes in your in your wall. And then at this point, I, I don't know if you got frustrated, if you just wanted to hit him really bad. I can't tell. But it's kind of a fun little Sith moment. And anybody that knows Doug, um, Kyle, you don't know this about him, but he's their, pretty much their resident Sith over at San Diego Sabres. And mm-hmm. I could tell by his form. Oh yeah, definitely the, tell. It's not arrogance, but it's like a it's like a very like um, come and get me form it's too. You know what I mean? Confident. Yeah. yeah. So this yeah. last play here, I want to see this. You go for him, and he's just like, "Come on, come on, come on!" And then boom, right to the hand. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but you know he, what? And it's like just a little bit. Of it a happens. Flip, you know? It happens. It's yeah. not to say you fought poorly at all, and. Anybody who can oh, watch no. that fight, you no, definitely no. fought well. Your, your defense was 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 absolutely great in that fight. Thank you. Let me jump up to a barbecue fight. This should be fun. So, Katie, I believe this is your dad, Andre, on the right here, against Master yes. Venable Alan. on the left, Alan. There. So this yes. is a minute long. We'll watch it three or four times. And it looks like Alan is doing what I like to do, which is mirror his opponent. And it looks like they're both yeah. kind of trying to stay in the form two, or I'm sorry, form one, one and a half style. Yeah. Is your dad, dad in trying- Makashi now? I don't believe so. If he is, I'd be surprised. Uh, his knight is actually high council member knight Dennis. Right. Dennis is our Shicho specialist. Right. Um, 
dad uh unintentionally goes to his one hand very often and Dennis but it's not really makashi it's still no. kind of form it's one very... just one-handed well, yeah that's what i was gonna say because a lot of his blocks are are definitely shicho yeah mm-hmm. and you can tell he's not there are a lot of opportunities where he can where he can go for that high guard and then just strike in where you're up here and then you just strike in right and he doesn't he doesn't take those opportunities as much as as much as he definitely could. And you could see Allen's like letting him, you know, try some things, but also like not going to let him just get away with something. You know what I mean? Um, well, it's, it's the, it's the bait, you know, you know, you, you know, it's waiting, waiting for your opponent to strike, seeing an open opportunity and just, and just going for it. You know, there's, there's a lot of those, you know, overhead, you know, head, head bumps that he does where, he's just he's just waiting you know and 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 it's and it's what you said it's 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 mirroring your opponent uh-huh now there's a lot of good strikes he gets in i was gonna say that it's a it's a very uh, people give the word basic a bad rap but honestly the word basic is not a bad word it's no. often the word that saves your life in a fight um yeah but hey check out the backdrop by the way Steve's yeah, this was Steve's backyard. Beautiful backdrop. <laughs> yeah. It looks like we put that there with a green screen. <laughs> well, you know, uh, me me being from Long Island, you know, the the only hills we have are a landfill. Yeah, that's about it. Oh. So this is this is gorgeous. Yeah, this house was yeah, cut into is, a mountain pretty much. So yeah, this is East County, San Diego. Um. We in San Diego Sabers, we heavily uh, stress, I guess would be a good term for it, that you before you even think about doing another type of form, you have to learn the basics, right? Because that is your foundation and you build off of it. And so, before they can go in to learn anything or more. They start off as initiates, and before they become a seasoned initiate, they have to understand the seven uh, or the nine uh, velocities and the nine parries, and then they also have to know the four tenets of the warrior. Um, And while during that time, I'm also training with their footwork and whatnot. Um, Obviously, the classes have been moved to a different teacher, but I wrote a, a curriculum, I guess would be a good way to put it, of the expectations of myself and the Battlemaster of what we expected for the initiate class. So the when you see somebody, you will see people, especially if they didn't start off with a, a martial art coming into class, they will fall back onto the basics when they are in trouble. Well, one one thing I noticed about that that fight in particular was the moment the moment that that, that was that was your father on the on the right. Mm-hmm. The one thing I noticed is when your father got got low he got the better of 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 uh, alan which was which was interesting because you know it definitely was not something that that he saw coming right and he's taller yeah. too by a decent he's amount two. yeah and alan's yeah. not much taller than me it's impressive uh maybe five eight five nine yeah we're about the same height let's go to oh let's do another makashi versus makashi like like makashi specialist here this is going to be doug on the right and Nick on the left, um, mm-hmm. Smaff, 
board member Nick. And these are those cross guard sabers I was telling you about that Alan uh, got made for me. I have them in, in the garage. And in last week's episode, we were talking about this. Kyle absolutely abhors cross guard sabers. And um, (laughs) if you can see Kyle, these ones, it's just the hilt going straight down and the blades are meeting blades in all the corners. So if you wanted to use it like a cross guard should be used, you actually could. And in the fight, we're going to watch after this me versus Kevin, um, we're both trying to use it like an arming sword, and you can see there are a couple moments where the cross guard saves one of our hands or something like that. But then there's also moments where you cut your own wrist off with the cross guard, and and several moments like right. that. So it's kind of a you know it's a catch twenty two. But let's get yeah. let's watch this. It should still be fun to watch regardless of the cross guards. <laughs> um, I'm going to be looking for moments when people cut off their hands. Now Steve's <laughs> deck is slippery in Doug's in Doug's uh, defense God. here. Yeah. Uh, I, Doug did learn a little bit of Hema, definitely some stage combat, but I think he did Buckler. I think he d- he started was- his saber stuff in in choreography, did he not? Uh, something along those lines. Yeah. I have to remember. Um, but yeah, he Doug is also that that. That one brat, I guess, would be a good way to put it. He's like, ooh, this thing. We're not supposed to use this thing. I want to use this thing. Yeah, right. So, Yeah, like this. <laughs> He's grabbing it in Tonfa grip. <laughs> oh, jeez. Now, I've made a Tonfa before. And Moza, <laughs> it's a very interesting weapon. And if you know what you're doing, it can be a deadly lightsaber or a Tonfa. Yes. Uh, the, the only issue I've ever had with Tonfa, and working on the weapons glossary, this was something that I, I'm going – how do I make this not stupid? Um, one thing <laughs> that I noticed is you have to make the hilt longer. Like the emitter has to go past your elbow for in order for it Absolutely. to actually be used like a tonfa. Otherwise, of it's course. just a shoto with an extra L grip. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, well, well, in that in that aspect, if if it is shorter, you're going to worry about cutting off your own arm exactly. at the same time. One hundred percent. Then actually using it as a weapon yeah you know but it also kind of does defeat the purpose of using it as a tonfa because if you're blocking with the forearm like you should be if you're holding a tonfa you're blocking right. with your hilt or you're cutting your own arm off it's like you, you can't win um yeah. although they look super cool i'd be lying if i said they didn't look cool uh except except when doug does it it looks decidedly less cool <laughs> <laughs> Well, and then he drops his weapon, which he's dead at that point. And yeah. you could tell, the, like, this has been after hot dogs and beer and fun. And and the tournament was the day before, I believe. So um, these guys are just having fun. All right. So I think that's the third time we've watched this one. Now we'll go to me and Kevin. So one-handed Gemso versus one-handed Gemso. And we'll just hit play right now so me with the red blade kevin with the green and this is a very fun fight because i'm kind of doing that thing again where i'm like let me see what kevin's doing and see if i can match him i don't know what that was having a little fun hey there doggy i think yeah he got me first there 
I caught it on the cross guard, but he snuck it through. There you go. Now use it. There you go. See, now you start using the the cross guard weapon as as it actually should be used, which is you know more like a long sword, right? Great sword at that point, yeah. You know? Yeah, but you can you can see I, can I had see to stick my thumb between the, I had to stick my thumb between the cross because I was starting right. to like cut my own finger off, and I'm also like getting a little bit into the Chinese style here just for fun, which doesn't match the cross guard <laughs> yeah, at all. So that last move, <laughs> <laughs> that last move definitely was. But the, you know, Kevin's a good sport about it. But he's so he's so like um, dialed in when he wants to be and then he snaps out of it and then he dials back in so quickly so that's one of the things i admire about him as a fighter his angles are good too man he plays a lot of different angles yeah well you can see how he's holding that weapon you know (laughs) over his head angled towards your opponent and then you just take him out there but you know that's that's, that's a very threatening move you know there's really not not much of a uh, not much of an offense you can do with right. that because he's he's just gonna gonna inch inch closer inch closer inch closer and then as soon as his his opportunity comes he's gonna come in for for a strike and he's letting me attack him too to now second disarm he's like he's ready to, he's ready to throw it at me <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh... You know, he's uh he's very patient with me, kinda letting me attack most of the time, which I think I was in a mood too where I was like, I just kinda wanna attack. I kinda wanna I kinda wanna just see if I can hit people today and I'd been cooking for a while too, so this was my my break from the grill, so I was just ready to go. And I think I fought everybody that was on that deck that day. You did. <laughs> I think so. Well this is this is interesting to watch because, you know, if if we circle back to the fights before, you know, there are a lot of targeting of hands, like we're saying, um, you know, a lot of, you know, you know, head head strikes. But with with using cross guards, you really can't do that. You know, yeah, it's tough. You really can't aim aim to cut someone's hand. So you're you're targeting. You guys are looking towards doing, you know, you know, chest chest and not not even so much uh, shoulders right you guys are just looking to really get inside your opponent and that's kind of what you have to do when you have a cross guard weapon you know if you look at a lot of those those uh, i don't like to talk about the the sequel fights that often because it was such a <laughs> weird transition from you know seeing episodes four through six and how they fought you know, like, all right, you know, they really didn't know too much what they were doing. And then you go to episodes one, two, and three, and you're like, man, okay, like, now we can really start to see a lot of those, you know, you know, different, different lightsaber forms. And then you just jump into the sequels, and you're like, all right, I, I guess, I guess those Jedi texts didn't really have much in there as far as uh, a lightsaber forms. Right. Right. It, it's kind of depressing, actually, when you think about it and the excuse for four five and six when the prequels came out the excuse was always like oh well everybody's older and like the galaxy's changed and they didn't have access to training but i'm like but luke had yoda like what the well he left early yeah but he had yoda like come on he had yoda and obi-wan two of the greatest swordsmen the entire 
Jedi order for generations had ever known. And that's that's what was very upsetting rewatching the movies is knowing what these guys were capable of. Right. In in their prime and it's like, you know, they should just age like fine wine and be able to to teach that knowledge over. You'd you'd think. We did get Luke you know? at the end of the Mandalorian though. And uh Yeah, well, well, that was well, pretty yeah, impressive. I mean, that, that was pretty well done. You know, well well, you had you know John John Favreau and Dave Filoni, you know, two of and the, it wasn't a duel the either. Greatest directors. It wasn't no, a duel it was either. A it was just a massacre. <laughs> it was a massacre. Yeah, he was just he was just in there cleaning house. But this is you know you know what you guys are displaying here with with the cross cards. This is what I would have wanted to see in the sequel movies. You know, with Kylo Ren using that right. cross card instead of just trying to use it as like. He's striking with an axe. Right, exactly. That's what it it felt like in a lot of scenes. You know, there really wasn't that much technique. Yeah, just big, heavy swings, battle axe. And, like, to me, I think that, I don't know, I'm always trying to, like, apologize for those movies because that's just my personality. (laughs) I'm a Star Wars. I think every Star Wars fan is going to apologize for certain certain aspects of movies. And for me, like trying to apologize for that, it's kind of like, well, if I was Kylo Ren and I had done that to my saber by accident, like if I'm going to really be the badass I think I am, I'm going to learn how to use that style of saber better than anybody can use a real regular saber now. You know, I'm just going to become the most, I'm going to become better than Darth Vader. And that's kind of what Vader did. He used his suit and his, his disabilities to great effect you know what i mean to like fuel his anger fuel his power and and those types of things so anyway uh let's see katie um shall we go up to this barbecue up here and watch a newbie fight an old bee (laughs) yeah we already tell (laughs) i can already tell which one's new and which one's old uh moriarty is on the left and then jason is on the right so this is smaf individual affiliate Mike Moriarty mm-hmm. he used to run the Home One Hangout podcast that is no longer on the air, I don't think, but um, he is a SMAF affiliate, and uh, this was his first time at a any site any type of Starbuck, like yeah. saber school event. So Moriarty versus so Jason could, on the right. Could Ooh. you could you leave it paused here just for a moment? Yeah, I want to say something. Uh-huh. So immediately. From from you know you know from my background and you know you know actually like you know maturing up and being an instructor and also you know you know teaching certain certain aspects of saber combat immediately I can see one opponent one fighter is grounded versus the other one and you can immediately look at that footwork and see you know that that back leg is lifted off just a little bit Mm -hmm. and that's enough to catch someone off guard and off balance. Mm -hmm. And you look at the opponent on the right and he is completely both, both feet are flat on the ground. He has a perfect stance. Um, The blade is angled towards his opponent, kind of like leeching him in, but also Mm -hmm. on that garden defense. And he's, his, his poise is strong and you can tell veteran, versus novice at that point i love how you just laid that out for everybody and if you're not watching (laughs) along and just listening you probably got a good idea in your head of what what's going on too 
So let's let's get this started. It's a three minute fight. Oh no, that's not what I wanted. Okay, here we go. Um, it's funny because the more experienced fighter, clearly not really dressed for uh, athletic endeavor, in his his uh, jeans and biker boots and. <laughs> he was trying out new motorcycle armor. See if it would work. Well, I think he drove his motorcycle or rode his motorcycle to the event that day, did he not? Probably. And you kid you not, he freaking wore those boots. I think he wore those boots in a Screama tournament. And I think Master Albert, he's probably like, you probably don't wear those. And he's like, no, 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 it's fine. And he's like so slipping and ish. And I'm like. So right off the bat, because they swap places. So you now have the, the beginner that's on the right. I notice he he locks his elbow he locks his elbow a lot of times when he's going on the offense and that that's what catches him up and limits his mobility a lot of times i think it's a feeling of like power almost you know like um like i am i am firm in my stance and i have firm technique which you you kind of have to go through that when you're starting out you have to go through those moments of like this is what i'm supposed to look like right and you know like kind of figure it out for yourself but that just comes comes with you know experience over over time exactly there's like a stiffness when you first start out like even though you might be doing because you can see he's got generally a fighting stance generally the blade is in a middle guard but it's not like Mm-mm. It's not like right there where it needs to be, you know, whereas you can see with Jason, the way he's kind of moving his blade within a window versus just leaving it in one place with locked elbows. Like you're talking about, you know, the loose shoulders, yeah. um, the feet just kind of creeping around, not staying in one place. This is typical for a lot of beginner fighters. You usually hunch your shoulders and you angle your head down. And mm-hmm. that limits a lot of, I mean, it, it limits your visibility. It, it limits the amount of movement, movement that you can do because you have your, your shoulders arched forward. You can't do much with, with um, defense at that point. And your offense is just limited to just pushing your saber forward. You can't move your saber from side to side. You can't really get, get over for an overhead block and then going for a strike. And that's, that's just something that you learn and develop over time. Once you get more comfortable with holding the lightsaber, all of a sudden your, your grip, your whole stance, your shoulders, everything just loosens up and your back straightens up. And that comes a lot with, you know, one of the basics is just planting your feet, getting yourself grounded and having that, that good solid um, pose for how you're how you're going to fight and, and strike and relying more on your hips than you are on your arm strength to actually land a strike. It's funny you said relying on your arm strength. I'm just now looking at his wrists in his middle guard there, the beginner. And when he's in his middle guard there, I I don't know, maybe like I said earlier, he feels stronger or he feels more like he's correct. Um but you can see like He's like sort of bending his his lead wrist back a little bit, which if you're throwing a punch or a strike or anything like that, 
you don't want to have your wrist in a bent position when you need structure behind that blade. You want it, that wrist nice and straight all the way to the elbow. And right. um, there's ways you can turn your wrist to line up with the edge that you're cutting with or this or that or little like advanced maneuvers you can do where you're just using the wrist to cut. But when you're sitting there in a guard and your wrists are broken upwards like that, all those things you're talking about, the 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 lower mobility, the lower speed, all of those things, just they get amplified by that poor structure. And that's just something that you learn over time. I mean, the the first thing that that you always teach a brand new person is first how to how to hold their lightsaber, and then second how how to how to actually you know you know position and hold your body as stances you're, yep. as you're fighting. Yep. You know, stance is everything. I have an exercise that I do with all of my new students. And then, like, later on, it's just something we hammer in that I call guards and cuts. And it's just – go. I have seven guards in Shicho in, in almost every form. But um, I teach it as a three and then as a four. So um, you get three types of cuts – a stab, a slash, and a chop, which people call them different things, but basically stops at the target, goes through the target, or runs through the target. And um, you, when you're learning this for the first time, you take the three basic guards and you add one of each cut to each guard, you know what I mean? So you'd start a middle guard, you do a stab. You go to a high guard, you do a slash. You go to a low guard, you do a chop, and you reset. And then you add in the fool's guards later. But that's the kind of thing where it's like the more you do just that simple transition from a guard to an attack or a guard to a blocking zone, the more you understand like, Oh, my wrist broke there or, Oh, my elbow lifted or pinned there. or Oh, my foot was like sideways there. Why was, why was I squared off? Hey y'all, this is your main man foe. Just want to say thank you so much for listening to the Saber Martial Arts Foundation podcast. I really hope you're enjoying today's show. I also just want to take a quick second to thank our sponsor and the official Sabersmith of SMAF, Key Sabers. If you're not familiar with Key Sabers, well, now's the time to get familiar. They offer two flagship combat-grade sabers, the Persuader and the Slayer. The Persuader is a community favorite. It's been around for a while, sits at about 11 inches in hilt length. The blade retention is about three and a half to four inches, which is just ridiculous and super balanced. And the newest saber model would be the Slayer. Slayer is about 13 inches standard, but you can buy an extender for that to get it out to 16 inches if that's your thing. And really the main feature of every key saber is their all-in-one chassis system. The owner, Kyle, designed this chassis to fit the LED, the rechargeable battery, the switch, and if you buy one, the sound card, into this really sleek 3D printed design. Just a couple inches long, fits real snug into the bottom of your hilt, and it won't be rattling around and breaking stuff inside your hilt while you're fighting, which, of course, as a saber martial artist or just somebody who takes their saber fighting kind of seriously you're really going to appreciate that. And with the switch on the bottom, there's no greeblies on the outside of the hilt to like mess with your grip or cut into your palm or anything like that. The best news is SMAF individual affiliates can talk to a board member or members of affiliate schools can talk to your head instructor and earn special pricing off the entire Keysabers lineup. Okay, enough babbling. Go to keysabers.com, K-I-S-A-B-E-R-S.com and add a real martial arts tool to your toolkit now.
Right. All right, so that's two, and this is a long fight, so we'll jump into something else. Let's jump into something pretty dynamic here. Um, let's watch Alan and Matthew. So we have Alan on the right in the yellow Savage Press armor with the red blade. Looks like he's using a Bane curved hilt. And we've got Matthew on the left there, reverse grip dancing. Looks like they're doing a little Street Fighter right now. Yeah, they like to do little skits. <laughs> Every time. It, it never fails. So Matthew is, like you said, very form four. Um, Katie, w- would you say Matthew has other forms he toys around with or not so much? So he is, uh, he's been training with Eskrima for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also took fencing in college for a little bit. Okay. Um, so you he could tell does with that footwork do, just then. Yeah, he does do Mikashi, but he is very much, a, he's a primary Atari user because of the Eskrima. I saw a two-handed grip from him there. I know he does dabble with it, but you could tell he's way more comfortable in a one-handed grip. Yeah, no, he is. So this is interesting using a, a curved tilt on the the right. You know, the it, it you can tell which which uh, form that you're really going to start to dive into based off of where you're placing that hand on that curved hilt. And he's placing it right in the middle of that curve, which honestly he can, he can get some wicked Ataru moves going in there. Mm -hmm. And he does. He really does. Alan is, um, Alan is the consummate form six users, a short fight. So we'll watch it again. The consummate form six user to me, um, always kind of looking to, just just toy around I, honestly he kind of ticks his wife off sometimes because he'll be right in the middle <laughs> of a tournament and just start playing around with a new technique she's like dude what are you doing win the win the match don't worry about like but it's Alan. he's like yeah but if i don't look cool i didn't really win <laughs> <laughs> hey i mean listen we are we are all loving Star Wars fans. That's exactly the whole right. point of this is to look cool. The whole point. I mean, of let's this be to honest. Look cool. That's right. We wouldn't be swinging these bright lightsabers if we didn't need to look cool. And it's very hard to look cool when you got a jogger walking by and you're here, big boys with big toys. <laughs> but it is it is cool. You know, like people who see this for the first time at the park or whatever, and they're like wait, really? You guys are really doing this right now? But then they like actually watch this kind of fighting and they're like, oh my gosh, they actually like care about what they're doing. This is not just some LARPers in the park. Not that there's anything wrong with being a LARPer in the park. I'm just saying this is, this is not it. This is more like, this is more like a real, you know, a kendo match or a fencing match or, or a long sword match, you know, these guys. Well, this this is this is basically you know you know in, in, in terms this is this is a discipline exactly you know, this is this is an an art that you practice 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 you face off against your opponent you learn something new you take something from what your opponent has done towards you modify things a little bit and then you move forward and then you learn some more and it's, it's just a, a it's a constant you know right. practicing of an art and you know in that you know that, that there is a lot of a lot of discipline, a lot of self self growth in that, and I think that that's one thing that a lot of people, even if they don't want to admit it, 
when they when they come into the sport it's something that they want it's something that they crave there's something lacking inside of them that says you know what there's something that these guys have that i don't have and i want to learn something right even if you take the most the most you know hard headed person that's like i know what to do and they hit that reverse grip and then they you know, they, they, they find out that they really don't know what, what they're doing, but they come into this at least with some knowledge of saying, you know, something that I want to learn. And eventually you have the great, the greats that humble themselves, learn something from someone else, and then they can become better than what their master or what their, you know, teacher or instructor has, has showed them. And that I feel is honestly the most beautiful thing that happens within this sport. And that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's why I love watching the sport. That's why I love being in this sport is because of that, that personal growth that people go through. It's, um, you know, it's something you can get in any discipline, but like you said, it has to be some sort of discipline. It has to require a certain amount of personal, uh, you know, investment and attention and, um, a sense of progress, you know, it's just, <sighs> these guys could be just there to play saber tag, but through the, the, the lighthearted game of saber tag, there's like an honest an honesty to it. There's a, there's a level of, you can just tell through the physicality where one person's trying to get better than the other person for the next five seconds. And then the next five seconds and then the next five seconds. And every time they're not as good as the other person for that five seconds, they're like, okay, let me dial this in and see if this will work, see if that'll work. But you don't – if you're just playing saber tag, like you don't really – you're not going to grow at all. You're just going to go flatline. You're just going to be like, okay, well, I can tag people in the, in the hand. So that's my tactic. I'm a hand tagger. That's that's how I win matches. It's like, well, okay, what about the person who can get their hands out of the way? How are you going to adapt to that now? Because you haven't been trying to yeah. adapt to that. You've just been trying to play the game that is, quote, unquote, your game. So, right. you know, some some rule sets and things cater to that. They cater to specificity. Some schools, like, they don't really want to, like, try other things or see. Um, I don't know. It becomes more about the competition, I guess. Less about right. the progress of an individual and... Anyway, so that's twice we've watched this one. Let's jump into a second fight. You were going to say? No, no, I, I, I 100% agree with everything that you're saying. And, you know, one one thing that I do value from a lot of a lot of schools or competitions is if you can just tweak the rules and change it up just a little bit to allow something more or something different, you've completely changed what someone might have mastered Mm-hmm. for like five, six, ten plus years. And now all of a sudden they need to sit back and say, all right, maybe I can learn something new. Maybe I can do something new. Or that might be an opportunity to just become that much greater within your skill. You know, you, you know, there could be a weak point that just opened up with that new new rule or that new um, you know, you know, form or or you know, version of a competition or, or battle, you know, whatever it right. might be it might be and with with doing that you know that's that's where you can really get from all right i've reached this point and this is a plateau for me and now i need to you know maybe rise again and certain people might look at that and say you know nope i'm already here this is where i'm at 
and then all of a sudden they get they get taken out from someone who wants to experiment who wants right. to you know say hey you know i'll try this new thing and do that and, you know there's it's i i can definitely see and and value what you guys bring to the table as far as you know competitions and, and fights I, by I definitely really allowing a lot of you know various types of i mean you know you know different forms against different different mm -hmm. forms different weapons against different and different weapons and um i appreciate that yeah it allows for a lot of a lot of growth and a lot more discipline too you know because you 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 gain a better respect for someone who you know maybe maybe just wants to fight this one way so katie this is you on the left yeah here. this is me going against robert this is before penguins before they became penguins so this was their last knights of the new order event this is the match where san diego sabers took first second and third uh, okay well let's watch <laughs> <laughs> uh, first place was virgil second place was matthew third place was doug so katie's on the left here and we've got robert on the right robert conceding here this is a relatively quick match too are you guys playing to five points Oh, jeez, I don't remember. Probably, so long probably. Ago. if it's only a minute long, I can't imagine it would be ten. So, Katie, I actually haven't watched this fight at all yet, but it looks like Robert's doing his Robert thing, which, as we all know, is like Speedy Gonzalez with ADD. This motherfucker, he <laughs> bashed my elbow twice <laughs> when we first started San Diego Sabers, and I forever wear elbow pads now because of him. Is that because of Robert? <laughs> Yeah, it's because of Robert. <laughs> oh man, I love I love fighting with Robert. And, you know, he's so like um, he's so like I don't know. He'll like kill you in five different ways, and then all of a sudden you like, hey, so that one thing you did was really good, huh? And you're like, wait a minute, you <laughs> you like massacred me. Like, what are you what are you complimenting me for? Yeah, but you were like really good at that one point. I had really really hard time on that one point. It's like Robert, shut up, man. You're like. You're awesome. He's he's really good. And he's so damn fast. Oh yeah, no, he's yeah, I was freaking gonna fast. Say, his his speed definitely works works to his uh advantage here and you know, but there's there there was a moment, it's probably gonna gonna come up soon because it's towards the the end of the fight. You trap his blade and then you just slide up. And the only reason why he caught you was because he he was he was just, you know, just just faster. Mm -hmm. You know. But there was there was a moment there, there there were a lot of moments where you where you definitely caught him. You know he he really wasn't expecting it. Are you usually a one handed fighter? No, I'm not. I'm oh, not. Okay. Eric got really on my butt about it. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm a two handed fighter. I use, but in order to, I have to be faster. So I was using one handed. I'm stronger with two hands, but try to be faster. I have to use one. And trying to get that reach in because Robert and I are about the same height. Right. He may be a little taller than I am. So I'm like, if I can get in quicker, then that'll be better. Um, but my, we'll watch it one more time. I usually, when I usually fight two handed, I always like touching the blade. They're like, okay, go. And so if I can touch your blade, you're usually you're done. I usually right. just slide down, smack your hands, and Almost pop it back. Almost with that. This was after, okay, this is one of the fights after I fought. One of the chicks that one of the newer chicks that uh, Nick was like, "Hey, 
she's new so be careful just letting you know and so he put that in my head before i got into the fight and i lost her because i'm like don't hurt her i was so mad at him nick i hope you're listening that was not nice of you uh you know what if you're new we love you stick around but you you need to pay your dues by getting hit (laughs) a lot (laughs) that's kind of the beauty of it though like you know when you feel when you feel what it's like to get whacked a few times you realize first of all like oh i'm not dead like that's a big moment and then once you get past the oh i'm not dead you're like oh i can actually have fun though like when i'm doing this you know Mm -hmm. So let's jump into somebody who's relatively new with San Diego Sabres from uh, yes. the Hoth Topics podcast and uh, a really, really nice dude, um, Ian Kistler on the right here. A council member along with uh, my dad and Marina. So oh, that's cool. I would say that that yeah. is a phenomenal personality to have on your council. Just really, oh, yeah. really He's good a- dude. These are definitely our archivist for sure. Not just for for Star Wars, but also for San Diego Sabres. You took down everybody's name, their nicknames, their ranks, what Sabres they used, how long they've Ooh, been with us. I'm going to be getting yeah, in contact he, with Ian about some of our uh, our tournament footage and fights that are going to come up then because he can throw together some good cards for me. Um, oh, yeah. He's been taking a lot of the photos too. Oh, that's sweet. Okay. And I, I really like Ian, so I'm going to reach out to him. Uh, and we have Jason oh, again. Great guy. Which, you know, mm-hmm. this may be the last time we see him tonight. Maybe not because he's in a lot of the videos I highlight. Um, one thing about Jason is that he's he's always entertaining, um, but he's always also very martial. So, um, And Ian, at this point, had been a, a year yet that he was in the group or not quite? Um. I want to say, if not a year, close to a year. Okay, so uh, this is this is going to be fun. I'm going to enjoy this. Ian's got such a majestic bow. <laughs> Very Shicho, obviously. You know, especially within the first year, that's about what you'd expect. It was something I'm picking up on, and it's kind of a mark of, I don't want to say inexperience is maybe the wrong word, but it can be, um, is that Ian's taken a very long pointed guard, um, which, you know, if you were in like a long sword tournament and you were to stick your blade out there and leave it out there at that arm's length, you would probably get it trapped and manipulated and hit with the cross guard or the pommel. So <laughs> maybe not, maybe not the greatest thing in sword arts where you're frequently relying on blade manipulation because your opponent if they're skilled in blade manipulation like katie you said if i get a hold of your blade with a two-handed grip you're in trouble and mm-hmm. he's opening himself up to that type of and jason's not really exploiting it at the moment except for that hand shot mm-hmm. no you can definitely see he's taking it easy on him i mean one one thing i noticed about um you know the gentleman on the right is unfortunately every step that he takes he steps steps but he strikes as he's stepping and that's where he's losing a lot of his control and you can see him just immediately off off balance and once he's off balance that's when he gets he gets taken advantage of yeah and you know strike is dead 
And for Jason, I'm sure he's kind of, like you said, he's sort of taking it easy on him. He's kind of like maybe waiting for him to make those little mistakes to be able to teach him that lesson. Like as you, when you pick up your exactly. foot, I can see you coming at me. So I'm going to strike your hand to let you know that you're too close without, without an attack, you know? Well, as much as this is a match, you know, if you're facing a new person, this is where you as a more experienced person can really, you know, take this, take every moment as a teaching moment. That was, that was one of the, the things that the, my, that my instructor, my, my teacher always, always did is any, any time that we sparred or we fought, or we were, we were maybe working on a fight or, or choreographing something took took every moment as a opportunity to teach as an mm-hmm. opportunity to say hey this is what you're doing you know let me let me show you let's let's walk through this and um you know that's 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 where you as either the the master the instructor someone that's more experienced can really you know you know take your skills and you know use it as a, a teaching moment to mm-hmm. say hey you know this is this is where you're off you know, you know, next time, you know, don't, don't lean in, you know, stay a little bit far back, get a little more grounded. And that's where you can become a much better fighter as long as you're open and willing to learn. Let's, uh, let's watch this one more time. Um, you, I think, I think maybe I'm being a little, I don't know. I don't think I'm being hard on the, the beginner type people. But we're definitely like, okay, this is what they could be doing better. This is what makes them look like a beginner. I will say the ability for Ian to get back to a stance, and same thing with Moriarty when he was fighting, get back to any stance, you know, even if it's not a great stance, get back to any stance at all, get back to any guard at all, attack, attack, get back to a guard, not just like let your blade fly loose and like not really have control over what happens after you strike or block. That in and of itself is progress. That in and of itself shows that yeah. you're learning something. That's that's something in San Diego Sabres because Ian was in my initiate class. Okay. And I was very much hammering of when you do a motion, go back into your guard mm-hmm. unless you see an opportunity. And so it was a constant do your motion. When, even when we were learning the form or I'm teaching the forms to them, they do it, go back into guard. They do it, go back into guard. And then as they fight, it's in the unless they see an opening for it, it's an instinct for them to go back to guard. And so that's something that um, I think by this, was he a season initiate? No, he was still an initiate. So he was still in my class. So that is something that I honestly, you know, and as much as we like to, to take a lot of the, the newbie or beginner fights and kind of break them apart almost, you know, that, that is one thing that I have to say, you know, where you you guys are teaching your new people your beginners and it's it's something that every new person and and every single fight that we've that we've seen that that you've shown has displayed is control Mm -hmm. you know whether or not you you have you know proper footwork or not which honestly even the beginners have much better footwork than some people that i've seen that are that are that would be considered seasoned right in this quote unquote veterans. Yeah. Right. You know, um, you guys have an immense amount of control and there's, and there's no opportunities for you guys to really, um, you know, you know, lose, lose that, lose that balance. I mean, yes, we're, 
where you can go in for a strike, you know, there's an opportunity for you guys to, to kind of get off balance, but you guys quickly recover. And mm-hmm. that is, that is something that is, that is a, a hard thing to learn for a lot of brand new people. Yeah. You come into this sport and you want to, you want to be like Obi-Wan, you want to be like Anakin and you, you can't get away with doing a lot of those flashy moves until you learn those basics and kind of drill that in. And every time you guys hit reset, you can see that, that, that mm-hmm. training, that, that coachable, um, you know, teaching that you guys do. It's, it's, it's great. It's, um, Katie, I know you teach a lot of beginners. Um, and I do too, because, um, most of the people, when they get to advanced level for me, they end up going to college because I have them from a younger age, you know? Um, so like hearing that is really nice because sometimes I'm watching these and I'm like, Oh, is it just me? Or like, do these beginners actually fight kind of, kind of well, you know, or like, is that footwork pretty good? Or is that, that getting back to guard? Is that a good, you know, like, or is it just me? Um, but I also watch a lot of, like you said, those people who, who they have lots of fights under their belt or they have lots of tournaments or they have lots of, this or that under their belt and like Katie I think we were talking about this in the chat it's like going to tournaments is not training it's training for competition but it's not training the art it's not training the the technique it's not training the the skills what it's training is your tactics for competition only winning or losing tactics that's it it's not training like oh you know, against the tall fighter, I need to rely on this area of my, and this and the, but maybe I can try this. And maybe when I fight the short fighter, I'll try this. You can't, you can't hash things out the same way you could, if you were dedicating hours to you know, no inconsequential practice. In other words, there's nothing on the line. There's no first, second, third place. There's nothing to worry about in terms of like, oh, if he cuts me, oh, well, we just reset and start again and try the next thing. That is training because that's where you figure out what ingredients go in the dish, you know. But you don't figure that out in a tournament. Mm-hmm. In the tournament, you just eat the dish. And if you don't like it, too bad. You're over. Like the fight's over. Mm-hmm. Um, and having yeah. 200 fights is experience, but it's not training. It's not the same thing, mm-hmm. you know? No. I would say 20 fights with 10 months of training far outweighs 200 fights over 10 years of fighting. You know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe that's crazy. Maybe my proportions are off. <laughs> Maybe I'm old-fashioned. <laughs> Wait. In San Diego Sabres, if you can see actually where you are right now, the top where you see actually the person in armor is my youngest sister, Anna. Because she has the full body armor, we always, again, we always encourage and stress control because these these hurt. These can break bone. It's important to understand control and understand the concept of it. This is a control drill right here that we're watching. mm -hmm. Yeah. This is a beautiful drill. Thank you. Stopping so, inches from um, the opponent. Yeah. Right. So you know you have you have one you have one instructor, and you have a lineup of people step by step going in, and they are looking to strike the instructor who's just you know sitting there on guard, and 
you have to stop right before like inches before you're going to hit your opponent and what this what this does is i mean i feel it does two things for for a brand new person (laughs) i've noticed uh, i've noticed a lot of people when they go in for a strike they close their eyes right there's that split moment where they where they either close their eyes or they or they blink because you know they don't want it's 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 that it's that fight or flight moment where you see a strike or something is going to hit your face and you immediately close your eyes and a lot of i mean it was it was like a, a it's a martial art technique but you can just sit there and splash water in your face right and get rid of that reflex that happens for you to constantly close your eyes when something's coming striking you at the face but i've seen a lot of people when they go on the offensive and they're going to strike they close their eyes and i'm like that's that's a moment where an opponent's gonna see that and they're gonna take advantage of that because you can't see what's gonna happen next well i feel like this drill along with teaching control it also you know you know kind of like teaches that too it's kind of get rid of that reflex it's kind of teaching your opponent that you're scared too like and they're gonna like when I'm fighting or sparring with the MMA guys, like definitely their wrestling is way better than mine because I'm mostly a karate style fighter. So I rely heavily on kicks and, and the sideways stance. But one of the things I've been trying to work on in my boxing is keeping my eyes open when not just punching, but getting punched. Um, because, that's another thing. Like as soon as your opponent sees like that you're flinching when you, yeah, when you defend yourself, it's kind of half expected that maybe you'll flinch a little. Uh, but when you're striking and you start flinching and closing your eyes, a seasoned opponent is going to see that and be like, Oh my gosh, I'm just going to hit you all night. Every time you close your eyes, like go ahead and throw a punch, go ahead and throw a punch. Cause I know you're going to close your eyes when you do it. Pop. Go ahead and throw another punch. I know you're going to close your eyes. Boom. Kick you in the leg. You know, that's the kind of thing that Mm -hmm. in a lightsaber fight, it's even more um, obvious because you're moving that much faster. And like Katie says, the lightsaber is the great equalizer. You know, like you can't get away with shoddy swordsmanship versus good swordsmanship. It's just not going to work. It's got to be good on good or shoddy on shoddy for anything to happen. So, yeah. With the control, to, the reason why I did that is because we, for how the influx of new fighters that we kept getting, we, oh, I, control was such a huge key because with new fighters, you know, you're going to get like full power swing, like majority of the time when they're fighting. And so with this, with the drill that we did was swing as hard as you can, but you have to be able to stop it. And so mm-hmm. say if you get that point, but you have to wait for the referee to call halt and you just go for it. As soon as you hear halt, you have to stop. And that was something huge for, um, in training. And then also when you're threat, cause we allow thrusting in our school for fighting to all targets for thrusting. You had to break your arm, break your arm. So basically, so you're not straight, you bend your elbow a little bit, breaking it. Yes. So you, your arms taking most of the impacts, not your opponent. And so that's, we first had it like, we were at a basketball court. It was like half tennis, half basketball. And so the foam stuff on the side, I showed them, I'm like, when you hit, this is how hard you should be hitting your opponent. Right. 
because it's not you, you don't have to hit that hard if i hear this and i like full-on swung if i hear that you're hitting way too hard you are opponents you're not, not enemies your, your point your point is to win not to hurt them i do that too i'll like especially with unarmed stuff if like i have a pair of boxing or MMA gloves on and I like go over to a student and just kind of like hit them on the shoulder, you know, a little bit. And I'll be like, that's the sound I want to hear. And I'll be like, here, do it to me, you know, and, and they'll hit me on the shoulder or on the chest or whatever and try and get the same sound. And I'm like, then I'll go over to a target cause I don't want to hurt the person. Right. And I'll be like, wham, that's not what I want to hear. Right. But then I'll go back to the person. Mm-hmm. I'll just hit them very lightly. And I'll be like, but I also don't want to hear that. I want to hear that solid contact with control and the founder of my style of karate, Ed Parker, he, um, he's very famous for saying like, Oh, you know, somebody was talking to him about how like, Oh, what you're doing is fake. Cause you all pull your punches when you're practicing your self-defense. He's like, no, we don't pull our anything. We're controlling our punches. He goes, anybody can wind up and plow through a target as hard as they can. He goes, but it takes skill to stop an inch from your target because it's not that much harder to go the extra inch or two, you know? And that's kind of what you're training with a drill like that. It's like, it's not that hard to go that extra inch. It's real hard to stop it at that inch. So let's, we'll do uh, one or two more for the night here. Um, Katie, this is you and Eric, and this should be fun because you guys are testing out some, and we won't put anybody on blast, but you're testing out some, some foam blades here. And, uh, let's just say that these foam blades were not high quality. Um, they did not hold up well to any sort of combat, but it looks like you two got three minutes out of the deal. So (laughs) I hated it. This is husband and wife combo. Totally, he. I put my helmet on, and then he's like, "Okay, I'm gonna hit you on the head." And I had a gnarly headache from that. I hated it so much. Is that in this particular video? I pray it's not. Because <laughs> you're not wearing any gear at the moment. The idea, no, of the manufacturer was, oh, these should be, you should be able to use your hilt, which is a great idea, with a training blade, which is a great idea. Um, so that you're not forced to train with a different hilt for a foam blade than, you know, which, you know, as far as training is concerned, it's always good to use your weapon whenever you can. Um, mm-hmm. But they weren't as painless as they were supposed to be. They kind of hurt. <laughs> yeah, I can they see. Hurt. I can see that hand, like, you hit him on the hand and he's still feeling it. Yeah. yeah. He's, still, he's still feeling it. Yeah, even now. Oh my gosh. And he switched hands now. I know he does switch hands a lot, but Yeah. You know, the So what I is was... the difference between these weapons oh, and a world the, of difference. the other foam ones that, that you guys were using? I mean, what's the difference between little Annie on Tatooine and Darth Vader in episode five? Let's be fair. It's just huge difference. I mean, honestly, the only thing that I mean, oh, eh, it's not much of a huge difference. <laughs> he just impregnated someone and, and and they lost their will to live. That's about it. <laughs> Let's oh, be man. real. No, uh, these are little Annie wasn't wasn't doing anything bad. Yeah, these are I don't know. They were like hollow cores, which 
is kind of a problem from the get-go. You kind of need a solid okay. core, um, which the Action Flex is at least partially solid, if not almost completely solid core. Um, so that in and of itself is an issue with them because they crack inside and you don't really know what's happening. Mm-hmm. But also they're rigid all the way to the tip. And as we were talking about earlier, those Action Flex, they taper on the core to where the core is just basically a whip a very slender whip um, and it almost has no integrity so that if you were to thrust somebody pretty hard, the end, the ending six to eight inches or so will bow and and bend. Yeah. Like a, like a fencing foil. Um, And these do not bend and bow in the way that they should. They crack and break instead and they break whatever they hit on the way. So this is not really like a duel for fighting sake. But there are some little fun things that you guys are doing here. And Katie, you can see your form one and three hybridization here. Yeah, those are those are beautiful um overhead. Solid blocks. blocks. And that's and that's what you wanna what you wanna teach someone is not only are you going to be absorbing that strike as your opponent does an overhead strike, but you want that blade to slide off of yours so you so you, so you slightly angle it mm-hmm. down, which then causes you to not have to absorb so much of an impact as they do an overhead strike because right. that blade's going to slide off. And what that does ultimately is as a Shicho practitioner is that opens you up immediately for a counterattack. As long as you're fast enough, when they slide off that blade, you can just immediately whip back and just strike your opponent and now you have a hit. So let's see. I want to save me and Eric for when Eric will get to watch with us because I feel like he'll have fun watching that with me. Let's watch me and Robert. And uh, I will not make the excuse that I ate a cheeseburger and Parmesan fries before this, but I ate a cheeseburger and Parmesan fries before this, knowing I was going to come I don't know why. Because Steve. Yeah. 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 So this was the night Smaff was born, actually, I believe. Um, and you can see I'm kind of having some fun uh, switching between Form 5 and Form 2 here with Robert. And he's just so I'm, – I'm just so much slower than him, I think, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he definitely has you on the ropes a lot of times. I go into this fight knowing that, I mean, I'd fought him a couple times before, so I'm going into this knowing that his speed is going to be an issue. And, like, don't get it twisted, kids. I'm not exactly slow, but Robert is lightning quick. It's it's interesting. He keeps his saber so, so tight towards his chest. Yeah, it's not even threatening against the opponent. Right. But as soon as as soon as you know he ad- advances, he just thrusts forward, and that's that's where he gets all of his speed from because he can thrust forward, immediately retreat, reset, and go right in for an- another attack right after that before you even had a before you even had a chance to right. reset yourself after defending that, and that's that's a that's a skill that really is. The practice skill. The point before that last one, I got, but you saw how long it took me to get it. It was yes. a good 10, 15 seconds worth of back and forth. 
before which is an eternity in a saber fight 10 15 seconds that's a long time and you see those little hand snipes he's just so good at that so you know for someone like me who relies a lot on blade manipulation like katie said um you know i do hit blades a lot it's kind of something i rely on as well and for someone like robert who's keeping his blade close to him and not close to me that's tough for me like i have to change all my tactics now i can't worry about blade manipulation which as you can tell i'm having trouble with that i want to feel his blade on my blade i want to get you know swat it to the side and get that opening and and he's not letting me all the hits i've gotten have been where he's like moving and i sneak in as he's moving past and he's getting hits on me that are just the same idea but so many more of them because he's he's so like keeping his blade close to him it's tough yeah his tough fighting his disadvantage is once once you step off the line he has to kind of reboot himself and that's where you catch him off guard. right because once you step off that line and you and you move the fight to another area you know that's that's where you can easily catch him and that's that's just that just comes comes from you just playing you know you know you know right. cat and mouse cat and mouse back and forth looking looking for those vulnerabilities within a fight but it's it's damn difficult to do when when you're in the middle of a fight because like you said 15 seconds is it's a long time it really is there's a point coming up here that i'm real proud of um and and this is one of the this is what made me think of robert being like oh man that one thing you did how cool was that it was this i don't remember where it is but i do a rising we call here it is that one there i kind of flick it up and then come down hard and he's like holy crap what was that i and doug came up to me afterwards doug was uh i don't think robert was a knight quite yet or maybe had just been knighted recently no um and doug came up to me afterwards and he goes that's exactly the kind of thing you need to do to robert that's the kind of thing he doesn't see enough of you know (laughs) i was like man it took me all night just to get that one hit on him (laughs) well it's Uh, it's it's interesting like you you are you're so skilled and, and poised in what you're doing and all of a sudden you just step back and you just do this little little like uh like almost like a flurry technique and he's just waiting he just sits back and waits he knows and watches to see what happens he knows and then that's how you win yeah, it's yeah <laughs> it, it's amazing and um he's at, a pretty fierce competitor this, yeah he uh robert has trained he was under night doug and so you, you could see a lot of his precision sauce for makashi but if you watch his legs Actually, he does have a little bit of Doug, but it's mostly Jason. Yeah, and he, it's almost Jason. basketball. You know, he kind of looks like a basketball player, the way he switches the weight between feet like that. It's neat. It's because he trained with Jason, and he actually did participate in a screamer tournament. Right. I believe it was in Vegas. So he does have a little bit of that training in that as well. Um, I won't but what I've noticed again. with Doug... Um, what I've noticed with Doug though, he hates when people are in his spaces. So when we trained <laughs> in our tiny, tiny living room or in our apartment in San Diego, 
Doug and I were basically already touching blades with the boffers and he absolutely hated it. Cause I'm like, hello, get wrecked, but he's taller. So, right. but it's, it's a fun one. So this will be our last fight of the night. Then I think this should be very interesting. I wanted to have Doug and Robert talk about this together, but um, I don't think that's ever going to happen. This is from the San Diego Sabres May the 4th tournament in 2018. 2019. Uh, 2019, sorry. This was a fight between Robert and Doug. I'm trying to find it here. So basically, Master and Apprentice. Um, I think he just became... Robert got knighted the later 2019. No. Yeah, he got knighted go. after Matthew. So, Kyle, you said you had never been to a Sabre tournament. This was the last one we – not the last one we did as a group, the last one I was at. So this should be fun. It's a little dark at the event, but um, we're going to still watch this. So – Robert has the green blade and he, like Katie said, had been knighted prior to this, but his old master Doug is going to be on the left. And you can see how the master and apprentice are very similar in the types of attacks that they choose, but their execution is, is very different sometimes. So this should be fun. Let's start it up. So this is to five points. Yeah, so the gentleman that I was telling you about, I'm like, oh my god, he a lot, he's alive, is actually Doug's teacher and Eric's student. So this lineage is actually until Robert picks up another student, he's actually so far at the end of the lineage of Eric, Harley, Doug, and then him. Yeah. So this is the lineage so far of Knights of San Diego Sabers. That's pretty cool. This was a good fight, too, and, and it was the kind of fight – I think Jill and I talk about it in our commentary down there, which I'm muting for now, but um, where, you know, like Doug obviously would be super proud to see somebody he trained beat him, but at the same time, especially being a Sith, like he does not want to give Robert anything in this fight. You know, he's going to make Robert work for every point, so – um, it's kind of neat to see that. And there, I know, I don't know how old Doug is, but there's a bit of an age gap between the two of them. Robert's definitely yes. younger and I don't want to say more spry, but his age would indicate that he should be. But Doug is, Doug is a fit individual, very fast, very precise. I think Doug's in his late, early to mid forties. I think. Doesn't look a day I past think. 19. I know. Robert is a year or so older than Eric. And Robert doesn't look a day past 14. (laughs) Well, he's half Chinese. He's half Chinese. So, okay. Oh, man. So, interestingly enough, looking at this fight and, you know, know, bringing up age and pushing all that aside, the amount of speed that these two gentlemen bring is pretty much toe to toe to toe like it, it, it's pretty much equal yeah you know and ultimately what it what it comes down to is looking and seeing that that opening what what i've noticed is both of these opponents 
they know where they're going to strike, where that where that killing killing blow is going to be before they've even gotten a chance to cross sabers. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, you know, unfortunately, like you were saying, master versus apprentice, you kind of have to anticipate as the master and the apprentice, mm-hmm. you know, um, and then just catch them off guard. Um, you know, and a, a lot of these these uh, strikes when they when they do collide, it's the same move. And and that's and that's incredible. Yeah, there's that's, a lot of moments and, where they do the same type of cut. One goes to the hand, one goes to the leg. Or they do right. a high cut versus a low cut, but it's the same wrist motion in a different direction, you know. And, um, yeah. you know, Robert wins this fight by two points. Um, and the last point, I think... In the, I pause it here. In the last point, I think Eric in the judging asks, like Katie and Loring, who are the side judges, asks, like, did anybody see anything there? And then asks Robert and Doug, <laughs> like, is anybody going to concede a point? And I think when I was there at the event, I heard Doug say something across the line, like, you better effing not concede anything. <laughs> you know, like, basically yeah. saying, like, you're either going to kill me tonight or. I'm going to kill you. And that's the only way this is going to go down. Nobody's going to honor call another person for the game point, you know? So that was, that was a cool moment to watch for me. So let's watch that just one more time. And then I think we'll call it on night on the fights. One of my favorite things of Doug being Robert's teacher, I think it was a Padawan. It was one of our fight clubs, I believe in San Diego Sabres. And uh, I was, side judging eric was judging and then i can't remember who else was side judging with me um it was just for fun and whatnot and then i think robert either got like an awesome point where he won his match and doug took his folding chair and you saw how high those fences are the basketball court he threw it over the (laughs) side and was like yes (laughs) (laughs) he's like i may or may have not uh broken my chair and i'm like all right it's so funny. He talks he's, a good Sith game, but he's uh, he's such a like He's a teddy bear. He's such a softy. I know. He's a good dude and he makes phenomenal mm. blades. Kyle, do you make the blades for the sabers that you you sell just out of curiosity? Yes, yes, I do. So, um I use I use a lot of TCSS parts. Uh-huh. Um in my opinion, they're their poly polycarbonate material is probably some of the best out there. I agree. I like their blades quite a bit. If I don't have a Doug blade, then I'm going for a TCSS blade. So that's good to know. Now that I know that, uh, we definitely can recommend your blades too. Um, we already do recommend that people get anything they need from your site, but, uh, Doug blades are not things that you just come by on the street you have to you have to know a guy for those so uh if you're in need of blades go on to key savers and get yourself because you now especially now we know that they're going to be high quality i use tcss yeah, just blades make sure make sure when you're when you're ordering uh if you're going to be doing combat like like this for for your type of martial arts just make sure that you choose the heavy grade yes. blade. i do offer a two millimeter blade, but that's more for, um, light speed or TPLA. You know, I would say, um, again, if you're like a beginner, 
that heavy grade blade is going to teach you technique too. It's not just about like how heavy the combat you're doing is. It's just going to teach you really good technique. And if you were at like the movie theater or whatever, and you wanted to like choreograph a little fight with somebody, it's still going to be a better option for choreography too, because it's going to maintain its rigidity while you're fighting. It's not going to look like a noodle flopping around when you're fighting with somebody. Um, And if you lose a little control, because sometimes you get excited, you're all hyped up about the choreography you're doing, or you're hyped up about the duel, or just training in general, and you whack a tree or something, you want that extra extra polycarbonate in the wall there um, of the blade. Well, they also they don't hurt as much either. I don't think if, so. If people hear, yeah, people hear heavy grade blades, and they're like, "Oh, it's going to hurt more." It's going to be like, more dangerous. I'll, I'll get I'll, I'll get hit by a heavy grade blade. And I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, I feel it. But then afterwards, I'm like, chill. I fought in a tournament. And my sister also fought in a tournament. And we use a, a lighter weight blades. I'm not sure what exactly. But they weren't mid-grade. And her and I had the gnarliest bruises for like a week or more. And so it's – and also you want to train like you fight. Right. You don't want to train with a lighter grade blade. And then hop into a heavy grade. If anything, you want to train with a heavy grade. And if you fight somebody with a light and you change to like a mid grade or whatever, you have that speed now because yeah. you're taking off the training weights. Yeah. So. You know, it's just that it's just that added control. It feels more like a sword. And mm-hmm. um, I think training with a light or a mid grade blade in, in some instances and for light contact drills or whatever, or, you know, like you said, maybe choreography, maybe. Um, it's fine, but I don't, I think that heavy grade is safer. And if your blade breaks, that's not really like, like if you think you're sparring with a light or a mid grade blade because it's safer. And then all of a sudden your blade breaks. I think it was Jill who said, uh, now you're swinging a shank at your opponent. Like (laughs) you're no longer swinging a stick. You're swinging a shank. So, um, I think that heavy grade. There's something to be said about it. Kyle, I'm going to make sure we put your commercial in here. Uh, you know, the last episode obviously was one two and a half hour commercial for you. But uh, <laughs> this particular <laughs> one will slip it. your normal commercial in there. But go ahead before we close out tonight and just uh, let everybody know where they can find you. Um, the official Sabersmith of Smith. Tell us where you can find key sabers and and what we should do to get a saber in our collection here. Yeah. So uh, I'm available on Facebook, Instagram. I have a YouTube channel. Just type in key sabers, K I S A B E R S. I also have a website, uh, keysabers.com where you can purchase any of these lovely sabers that are built strong for combat. I also have an, an Etsy page too, and that's also key sabers. So key sabers awesome. for virtually almost everything. And generally speaking, are you trying to funnel people to the website more than anything else at this point? Absolutely. So on on the website, you can you, you can custom choose what you want, and on the website, you'll get a lot better uh, updated shipping prices mm-hmm. there too. Awesome, awesome. Katie, tell us about San Diego Sabers. Where can we find you guys? Uh. SaberMartialArts.life, also San Diego Sabers.life. Uh, there's Facebook pages, YouTube channels, I, as you clearly saw. Um, easiest way to go on their website, reach out to us, um, and somebody will be in response to you. Mm-hmm. But 
that would be the easiest way for us. And same thing for Delaware SMA. Find us on sabermartialarts.life. Find us on the Facebook groups and all that stuff. Search for SMA Foundation or Saber Martial Arts Foundation. And uh, if you're somebody who's not really near any of the groups that are affiliated right now or not near any teachers um, right now, send us a message. We can set you up with an online program or set you in contact with a specific instructor to work with. So it doesn't mean that everything is lost for you. You can still, you can still find instruction and not just like, Hey, I want to go to a tournament and you know, that's fine if you want to like train to go to a tournament for the first time. But what I would say is go into it thinking I'm going to train this new art, this new skill, this new discipline and uh, go from there and do it with a key saber. And if you are a SMAF <laughs> affiliate, um, make sure you contact one of the board members or your head instructor and we'll get you um, a code for key savers so that you can get some special pricing. And if you're not a SMAF affiliate, that was your task for last week. Why didn't you fill out the application yet? SaberMartialArts.life. Become one of us. It's free and it takes you five minutes. I sent Kyle a message. I was like, hey, you want to fill out an application? Within five minutes, he sent me a text back being like, it's done. And there he was, voted in five minutes later. So um, SaberMartialArts.life. Thank you so much for joining us, Kyle. I really hope that you sell 100 more sabers after this episode, but you know. I'm just crossing my crossing my fingers for you. Um, Katie, nice to talk to you as always. Tell Eric we're thinking about him. And thank you to Alan and Nick, even though they're not here tonight, for just being alive. Nick, I found the picture of the port lights, just so you know. Uh, next mm-hmm. time we see you guys, hopefully we'll be talking to uh, some of the members of San Diego Sabres, the council members, and uh, it'll, be a, it'll be a fun night. And we'll have Kyle back on soon. So thank everyone, and please... Bring your own saber. Summer is just around the corner, and this year, SMAF Affiliate School Saber Light Nights is putting on the Saber Light Summer Open. Join them at the Laughing Dragon Kung Fu School in Charlottesville, Virginia, on July 10th. 2021 at 9 a.m. for a two-division tournament including the Adult Standard Saber Division and the Adult Special Saber or Exotics Division. Saber Light Knights have been a proud SMAF affiliate school since 2019 and we are more than thrilled to support their events. The Saber Light Summer Open is also going to feature a massive prize pool, over $1,000 in merchandise from some of your favorite companies like Key Sabers, Smokey's Armory, Mando Core Customs, Wrath Sabers, Far Far Away Outfitters, and Kaizen Saber. If you want to register for the Saber Light Summer Open, please visit the Eventbrite link in the show notes or go to eventbrite.com and search for Saber Light Summer Open. Registration is $20 to $30, depending on if you're doing one event or two. And all of the tournament requirements and rules can be found on saberlightnights.com. That's saberlightnights with a K.com.